radio and podcast. We are streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, um, where our goal is to bring in people who do amazing things and are really put here uh, to serve others, and they're doing just that. So super grateful today to have uh, Maureen Michelle, Dr. Maureen Michelle, on with us. Uh, and yeah, thank you for being here. I'm a little discombobulated, but thank you. <laughs> Nikki, it's awesome to be here. Yay. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you, and hopefully your audience can learn a thing or two about what we're talking about today. This is a topic that that so many people need to hear about. You know, I think that we're in, and just so briefly, um, Dr. Maureen, do you like Dr. Maureen or Dr. Maureen Michelle? Dr. Maureen, Maureen is totally yeah. fine, yes. <laughs> so she works with families who are, who are, who have chronically ill children. And we are in a place right now where it seems to be more and more the norm and so uh you know so that's a whole different conversation i think but it's important to know that there are resources out there who are are here to help here to serve here to give you love and guidance in a time that can be a real struggle so Thank you for being here. It's going to be awesome. Super excited. Yeah. No, and and that was kind of a just a great introduction of like what I do because I, you know, have spent my life as a physician and from the time I was a kid wanted to be a doctor and wanted to be a mom. Got to do both and then uh, when I was a pediatrician, my daughter, who was an infant at the time, was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, a type of pediatric cancer. Uh, that rocked my world. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to a very dark place because I um, knew there were resources out there, mm -hmm. but the stigma of seeking help was huge yeah. and I also didn't really want to ask for help because I felt like I was a failure mm -hmm. if I was asking for help in this challenge that I was facing. So can I, 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 I want to interrupt yeah. you real quick and I apologize um, because no, all of do. this I just want to I want to know because you've had so much that you've been dealing with and now what yeah. you're doing what are you grateful for? Because we always like to start the show with gratitude because it's so important and gratitude can change the world. So what are you grateful for? Yeah, so I am grateful for the challenges that I've experienced mm -hmm. in my life. And I have to say that has taken me a long time to get to a place to be able to really be grateful for challenges. Mm -hmm. But I now understand that we are given a choice when we face a challenge, a choice of either having that challenge consume us or having that challenge be an opportunity to learn and grow. And I feel like I've been able to do that. It's hard to see in the moment, but um, as you get away from it, I think it's easier and you can go into the next challenge understanding there's an end to this and it's all for good. It is and and it gives you the ability to share with others and to serve others oh, with your experiences. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talk about the, that a lot here. I talk about it a lot because I think it's it's part of life. Whatever we've been given, we've got to learn how to deal with it. Uh, we've got to learn how to find our team to help us deal with it. We've got to learn more about ourselves to help us deal with it, right? So it's all about growth. It's all about um, becoming the person that we're supposed to be in this life. I, I truly yes. believe that we've been given these amazing gifts and sometimes our gifts aren't unwrapped without it being really, really hard. <laughs> Yes. Right. So yeah. uh, thank you for that. And thank you for 
for sharing that because it, it really is so integral to Taste Life Nutrition and to Taste Life Nutrition Podcast and anybody who comes on because everybody, I think most everybody, everybody to date has been an entrepreneur. Everybody to date is, is of service to others. And yeah. um, it is, it really is just key to growth. So um, real quick, I think my quick, uh, my quick gratitude for the day is uh, I ate a lot of really good fish last night. <laughs> we had, we had Valentine's awesome. Day. So we just, we just went and we had, we cooked it ourselves, but we had uh, salmon and we had scallops and, you know, some of our favorite things. And, oh, um, fantastic. man, we had lots of butter and garlic. I've cut a lot of, of the saturated fats out of my own diet. Doesn't mean you have to cut out saturated fat. Good saturated fat is not bad, but for some people, it is. We can get into that at another point. But point is, I really splurged on a lot of butter and garlic, and it was delicious. So, yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> for today. Is really good food, so good. And I get to leave today and go see my dad. So I'm super excited about that as well. So that's awesome okay so since i interrupted you um i want you to get back to you know your story wherever you want to start and and finish and all of the things you know how you got to this point and then the things that motivate you and excite you and keep you going yeah absolutely and so you know i was telling um kind of the story of my journey to illustrate at the beginning of challenges that i faced in my life that it's okay to ask for help. I didn't see that at the time and had a very hard time of asking for help. Um, with time, as we got away from my daughter's um, diagnosis, she did well with surgery and chemotherapy and the whole works, and things got better. Well, fast forward to when she was 12, I got to be the physician to diagnose her with type one diabetes, which then I felt like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. My whole world like was coming, crashing in yet again. But having that experience of going through this cancer journey with her as an infant, I knew I didn't want to go back to that dark place. And became very proactive about figuring out ways to help myself in addition to ways to help her. Mm -hmm. And I understood I wasn't going to be the best caregiver I could be if I didn't take care mm -hmm. of myself. Mm -hmm. So really did a deep dive into podcasts and books and got a coach and really benefited from that. Years later, I uh, had a leadership position at the hospital and wanted to become a better mentor to um, folks I was in charge of. So became a certified life coach to help me with mentorship. I quickly learned though that those tools that I learned through coaching were very helpful to the patients I was taking care of in clinic. So now I spend my time really helping families who have challenges with a uh, child in their lives to be able to build resilience and lower their stress and overall become exceptional caregivers uh, because that's what we really want to be as a parent is an exceptional caregiver for our kids. So you are still a practicing physician, yes? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so you just, you bring, you now bring this in as part of your practice, but then you also, and we'll get into this, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you are doing you're helping those in, in need outside of just your practice, right? You're working, right. you're doing some, some coaching, some group things to help yeah. people who, who need your expertise in resilience specifically, yes. right? Right. And so on the topic of resilience, um, you talk about your four C's, 
yeah, mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. And somebody else commented, you know, when I was doing the posting on this and the, you know, the sort of the pre-show prep kind of stuff. They're like, I love the four C's. That's brilliant. I was like, awesome. So let's <laughs> talk about the four C's. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, first, like, it's the understanding that uh, resilience really means you're able to bounce back from challenges. Mm -hmm. And um, we, you know, just like what you said at the beginning, like, life is going to be full of challenges and it is our job to learn through them and become a better person whether it be we're stronger physically or stronger mentally or stronger emotionally from these challenges and the more we practice being able to go through challenges the more we're able to build resilience really kind of the foundation of resilience is the understanding that it's mindset. And so the four C's go into um, developing a really good mindset to be able to bounce back from challenges. So the first C is consciousness. And this is knowing that our thoughts about circumstances that we encounter really can either help us or hurt us. Mm -hmm. And um, becoming aware of thoughts that our brain has and beliefs that our brain really thinks over and over and over again is super important first step to be able to understand our emotions, understand our actions, and really get the results we want in our lives. The second C is curiosity, and that goes to uh, back to our thoughts. So when we get good at recognizing thoughts that are going through our brain, we can do a deeper dive into them and start questioning them and becoming curious as to where did that thought come from? Do I really believe this? Um, is there something else that I can think of instead? The last two C's are courage and commitment. And I kind of lump those two together because Anytime you're trying to make a change in the way that you're thinking about something, you first need courage to say, I need to take this first step to try to rethink and reframe how I'm thinking about something. Um, and that takes courage to have that first step. Once you take the first step, then it's committing mm -hmm to continuing the steps because you're not gonna be perfect at it right off the bat. You're gonna stumble and make mistakes and maybe go back to your old way of thinking. Um, and that's okay. That's how, again, that we get data to learn how to do things better. But it's having that commitment that no, I really want to change that allows you to continue to work on building resilience. I think it's so important because you know, it goes back to whether we're looking at you know, diet or lifestyle or the stuff that you're dealing with is it's always a practice. And, always. And we, we have so many ways, so many places we can go here, but you know, my mind goes to um, we don't, stick to it or we mess up or we fall off the wagon or whatever it is and then we go into beating ourselves up and the negative self-talk and all of these things that can happen when I love the creating the awareness the knowing the consciousness because when you have that you can fall off the wagon or you can make a mistake you can do whatever and you can say all right I see it I hear it I know it I got it we're gonna try again and that's, what, that's really right. all it is yeah um, my other love about what you say, this is a word that, that comes up for me more and more, is curiosity. It's so important to remain curious and ask the questions. And, you know, in my world, you know, it's 
I'm looking for the root cause of dysfunction, right? We're under right. trying to find out what it is. And if we're not curious, we won't continue to ask why. And in very simple terms, it's always asking why. And I think it's, it's that case in pretty much any situation that we're in. Always ask why and don't say, yeah. okay, well, then that's it. That's all there is to it. Or this is now me or right. whatever it is. It's ask why and remain curious. And I think that in order to grow in life, we have to remain curious. And I see this a lot in, and I'm gonna, you know, just in the medical world, but in lots of worlds where and I think anybody can fall prey to it, but you get stuck in where you are and you stop asking questions because this is where right. I am, this is what I'm good at, and this is all I'm gonna do. And you stop asking questions and you stop the curiosity. Yes. And we have to, I, sorry, I don't mean to be repetitive. I just think it's such an important word. And my, it came up for me. I know we, I, we still have a whole year until next year. My word of the year this year is trust. And I just went, oh, next year might be curiosity. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. But you're 100% correct. Like, all of this applies to so many different things in our lives. Uh, like you said, whether it be a challenge that we have with our with our child or a financial difficulty or uh, a health issue in ourselves or um, you know sticking to an exercise or nutrition routine that we want to stick to it all it applies to everything mm -hmm. and you know folks often ask like well you talk about this, but you make it sound so easy that, you know, be conscious of your thoughts. Well, we have thoughts that fly through our brain at lightning yeah. speed. Yeah. And uh, taking, it's really practicing the skill of being conscious about it that we get better and faster at doing it. Same with curiosity. Mm -hmm. We have to practice it mm -hmm. to get better and be able to see deeper questions or deeper understanding of something. And so I always tell people, you need to start the practice by just having a blank sheet of paper and a pen mm -hmm. and giving yourself some time to just download some thoughts onto a sheet of paper. That can allow you to really start being aware of things that go on in your mind. And if you don't give yourself that space, you're never gonna get better and quicker at it. But when you write it down, you become distant from it and it allows you to be a little bit more curious because there's less judgment when you're seeing that thought on paper, you become more objective about it. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of and, and I know everybody hears this and we know this, but it really is a, a great practice, is that practice of journaling. So, and being intentional about it, right? So gratitude, right? Gratitude journaling. And then just writing and letting it come out. I am not the best at this. You know, I have my morning practice that I do Sometimes it includes journaling and sometimes it doesn't. But when it does, and I just write to write, <laughs> not a writer, <laughs> um, but I'm writing just to write, things will start to come out that you can yes. then be curious about. You can evaluate. You can go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Didn't know that until I put it down on paper. So I think it really is, no matter where you are, just having that journal, you know, I like to carry like small little notebooks with me in my bag, yeah. um, and that can sometimes be helpful. I think everybody's got to find their thing that helps them to do it. Um, even you know, I always think that a, a good morning practice or and or a bedtime practice is is a smart thing to do. But anyway, you got to got to find your thing. Yeah, you know, um, I love how you started the show with gratitude, and we're now kind of talking about journaling and. Uh, as a physician who believes in science and research, mm -hmm. I, I just want to 
let your audience know and kind of foot stomp the gratitude journaling piece. There is a lot of data to show that um, if you write down things you are grateful for, that it really does remarkable things to your brain from a, um, a, a chemical standpoint and create happier people. And it, just to highlight um, and use you as an example, you were very specific in what you were grateful for today. <laughs> yeah. And that is very important mm -hmm. when folks are participating in a gratitude journaling practice. It's not to say, I'm grateful for my kids. I, I am grateful for my kids, but being specific, mm -hmm. like I'm grateful for the phone conversation I had with my daughter yesterday is much better when you're participating in a journaling practice? You know, so many of the things that we, um, we in our past, and I'd say in a very short history past is what I mean, that we see as woo-woo or woo is actually backed by a lot of data and mm -hmm. or is very traditional over you know, a you know, millennia, however long it's been, yes. and we're like, well, I don't understand it, so it can't be real. <laughs> it's, right. it's interesting. There's there's so much data. You know, the so the gratitude journaling, the meditation, the prayer, the sitting quiet, the grounding. You know, walking on the grass, and these yes. things that seem so simple but can be so beautifully therapeutic. Yes, mm -hmm. and and you know, there's also something about listening to bird sounds. If you listen to uh, the sounds of birds for two minutes every day, whether it be real birds or on an app on a phone, or that that also changes brain chemistry to make happier people. I love that. Um, I've been listening to an app. I can't remember what it's called right now. I just found it, um, but it's it's you know the brain waves, so it's the music and oh, the brain yeah. frequencies yep. and the theta and the beta and the yep. solfeggio frequencies and all of these cool things. Um, and interesting how you can pinpoint these different brain waves and different sounds that help with sleep and relaxation and focus and and all of these things. It's really really just fascinating stuff. Yes, cool stuff. Yes, I love the birds though. I'm gonna get a bird app. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Or just go outside. It's so outside easy. Yeah, yeah, just if you have Spotify, look up bird songs yeah. and play it for two minutes every day, and that can make you a happier person. I love that. Um, how old is your daughter now? She's 23, actually. Okay. And, you know, this is another thing, like, I said at the beginning, like, I'm grateful for the challenges that we have. And yesterday for valentine's day i um, wrote a letter for to diabetes uh, to say why i love diabetes Aww. and um the doing something like that is so powerful because it allowed me the opportunity to look back and see how much her medical challenge has taught us about responsibility and organization and just deep love for each other in the family. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, as much as I dislike type one diabetes, I wouldn't want my life to be any different. And she would say the same thing. Yeah. She has taken that challenge and is now an MD, PhD student studying autoimmune diseases and um, it's incredible to to watch her kind of just grow into this incredible individual who has realized that you don't need to be inhibited when challenges come into your life that's amazing that's amazing i love that um a couple of questions you know, I talk a lot about advocating for ourselves mm -hmm. um, and how important it is 
to be your own, be your own advocate, be your own best friend, you know, just have the information and seek information and keep asking questions. And if you don't get what you, what you want or what you think you need, just keep going. So I say that um, because I think that I, I, I believe that the healthcare system can be difficult for some people, a lot of people to navigate. And then when you're in the throes of the fear of your child being ill and what's going to happen and what could happen and the overwhelm and um, all of the things that can go along with that. And then on top of that, you've got to learn, you've got to educate yourself, you've got to educate your kiddo, you've got to take care of your kiddo or kiddos, yeah. right? All of these things that are going to go into this situation, how do you help people navigate that and advocate for themselves and advocate for their children. Yeah. So first I would say is when we say the word advocate, immediately what comes to mind is an argument. And um, I don't want people to think that advocating means arguing. No. And we that is a thought that um, creates this like armor and that we need to go in like fighting. And uh, it creates this mood of the visit that is very off-putting. Mm -hmm. So understanding that advocacy is just a conversation is step number one. Mm -hmm. Step number two is understanding that medical professionals are humans just like you and me. And that means that they're gonna have good days, they're gonna have bad days. They're gonna be right some of the time, they're gonna be wrong some of the time. But um, going into it knowing that they're human also creates a platform of trust that uh, because it becomes dangerous when someone approaches a medical professional as if they are up on a pedestal. Um, it uh, doesn't allow the courage to say or ask questions that the patient needs to know about. So. Do not think of medical professionals as individuals who should be on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. They may be experts in what they're talking about, but they're still human. Mm -hmm. the, the next thing I tell and teach is go into an appointment um, prepared. And that means taking a few minutes to jot down on a sheet of paper topics or questions that you want to make sure are covered during that appointment. Um, that piece of paper serves you in a couple of different ways. One is it makes sure that your goal of the appointment was met, but it also serves you in case you start feeling anxious or overwhelmed or um, uh, not courageous or belittled or whatever your emotion is mm -hmm. that you can refer back to your paper and not become flustered and still allow yourself to have that courage to ask the question because it's there and you can just read it off on the paper mm -hmm. but the, the other important thing about advocating is always approach it as if you know someone is never 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a game. And what I mean by that is if a doctor is telling you something that you disagree with, um, if you go into it thinking, you know what, that this doctor, um, it, it's, he's not 100% wrong. 
where is he correct? What are the little nuggets that I can pull out of this conversation that are the things that are correct? And that allows you to again go back to that curiosity to really start figuring out what tips or what little tidbits that are being offered that you can um, use or ask more questions about or get more curious about. Yeah. Sorry, I was reading some of my notes. Um, and you, I, it's funny because all of my questions you just answered. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, it, it, there's a, there is this, this interesting scenario where we, I, th I think that there is the, the, the putting, putting practitioners up on a pedestal. There's a lot of school behind what they know, right? There's a lot of knowledge there, which is a beautiful thing, right? Everybody has their expertise. This is right. why I don't do my own accounting, because I yeah. suck at it, <laughs> right? So yeah, I, I, love, I love those tips, um, because going, going in understanding, I think this is with anybody in any kind of conversation, going in understanding you don't know this other person's history, background, what they're dealing right. with in their personal life, right? Or what they just dealt with with another patient. Um, right. And going and knowing it's a conversation, there are a lot of things that you don't know, but just going in and asking questions. Yeah. And trying to get answers and being curious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it will not go well 100% of the sure. time. Sure, sure. And um, that is okay, but it's, uh, if it doesn't go well, it means allowing yourself to be forgiven um, and treat yourself with compassion. Don't judge yourself and let mm -hmm. the negative self-talk mm -hmm. start mm -hmm. and then do it differently next time. And uh, so I've had people say like, oh, you, I'm sure, are a great advocate for your daughter because you're a doctor and you know how to advocate. And I, I remind them that there have been times when I have not done it well. And, you know, when my daughter was um, first diagnosed with diabetes and we went to the emergency room, the ER doc comes in, takes a history, and then says to me, well, we need to get an x-ray. And I said, an x-ray? And he said, well, yeah, we need to make sure that it's not pneumonia. and. I had been practicing pediatrics for many years uh -huh. before that yeah. and said to him like, uh, said in my mind, well, I didn't say anything about cough. I didn't say anything about uh -huh. fever. Uh -huh. I didn't say anything about difficulty breathing. Like she doesn't have pneumonia. Uh -huh. And so I, I said to him, are you sure we need this? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's probably gonna be negative, but we need it just to make sure it's not pneumonia. Well, also in my mind, I knew how much radiation exposure she had as an infant because of her diagnosis of cancer in the past and really wanted to save her from having this unnecessary exposure, albeit exceedingly small, mm -hmm. but this unnecessary exposure to sure, radiation. Sure. But at the same time in my mind, was I am gonna see this guy again because I work in the same hospital that he does and so I'm just gonna let it go and let her have the x-ray mm. and please him. Now, mm. I, so she got the x-ray, lo and behold, she did not have pneumonia, but the I beat myself up about that for a while and, um, but realized, you know what? There's a lot to learn from that, that I understood more about how important it is that we need to serve ourselves first rather than mm. 
leaves other people. And there's a way to do it without being confrontational. I could have in the moment said to him, I get it that you want her to have an x-ray. Um, I don't know if an x-ray is really necessary. Do you mind grabbing your colleague to be a tiebreaker? And that could have been an easy way to, um, to confront the situation without having any sort of argument or confrontation about it. It didn't need to be negative. It could have remained positive. <laughs> But learning from that and doing a better job the next time is the real value in it. Yeah. Did you know each other? Um, uh, we, I didn't know him prior to that. Okay. I saw him after that sure. many times. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but and I knew that that was going to happen mm -hmm. because the hospital isn't that big. So yeah. the um, it, uh, but. I don't know if it would have been easier or harder had we known each other beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, just curious. Just, um, and I don't know why, just, you know, I think sometimes, yeah, when you know each other, what would it have been? But, but interesting. And taking it um, and not beating yourself up, right? Again, going right. after, you know, being aware of the negative self-talk, knowing that it's over, it's done, it's in the past and yeah. learn, learn and grow from it and move on. We get, yeah. we get stuck in the what ifs, you know, and it can really be well, harmful. Yeah, and mm -hmm. we also get stuck with this thought that failure is bad. And you know what, like failure's not bad. Like failure is just data, it, mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. winning yeah. is data. And it winning, gives us data to do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. Failure is data to, to give us data on, hey, maybe you should do it differently mm -hmm. next time. But it does, it's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's, and that's where we get hung up yeah. and stuck is when we're focused on how bad it is when mm -hmm. we fail. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed, we can't grow without Failure. We can call it. We can call it failure. We can call it growth. You know, take your pick. <laughs> yeah, or data. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is what it is, right? So, with all of this, comes a lot of overwhelm, right? You talked mm -hmm. about this a little bit already. Um, I, I can only imagine. You know, with my my own health struggles, is you know, I don't have children, so. I don't have that. I just know from my own experience, there's still my own overwhelm and I can't imagine the overwhelm when it's your child. So um, you have in here that there are different thoughts that can contribute to overwhelm. And my, I, I believe, I can, I can only assume that if you understand what these are, then you can start to mitigate the overwhelm. Right. Yeah. So you wanna yeah. talk about that? Yeah, so you know, overwhelm, is one of those things that is we can feel it in our body when we're in overwhelm big time but it it does keep us stuck like we're mm -hmm. not moving forward when we're overwhelmed yeah. and um it is it's coming from thoughts that are in our brain about all of these kind of what ifs mm -hmm. um and anticipating things about the future yeah. um, the that are creating this state of being overwhelmed mm -hmm. and there's a couple of different thoughts that that come when parents are taking care of chronically ill kids or when that when um, people are just overwhelmed two important ones to understand is something called all or nothing thoughts. Mm -hmm. So the yes. thought of, well, if I can't, uh, I can't even imagine taking my kid to this specialist and this specialist and this specialist, so I can't do any of it. And um, the, it, the solution to that is bringing yourself back to the present and taking it just one step at a time. 
A another big thought that I kind of alluded to with my story of the ER doc is people-pleasing thoughts. Mm -hmm. That gets us overwhelmed all the time because we sit there and think like, what if she's gonna get mad at me? Mm -hmm. Or what if I don't do a good job and agree with, with the plan that they're talking about? And so pleasing other people gets us into this kind of state of overwhelm too. But the solution, anytime you catch yourself in overwhelm, it's taking a deep breath and realizing you're focusing on the future, but focus yourself back in the past, and I mean, back in the present, so that you're taking it just one mm -hmm. step at a time. Yeah, if you're thinking too far ahead, I mean, that certainly will create overwhelm. I have to do that just in my daily work, right? <laughs> yeah. Stop thinking about all of the things and let's focus right. on one thing right now. One yeah. thing. Yeah. And, you know, folks have, have said to me, like, I bet you, you didn't get overwhelmed when your daughter had neuroblastoma or when your daughter got diagnosed with diabetes because you knew what that diagnosis meant in both of those scenarios. So it's the being naive that creates this overwhelm. And I said, no, 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 like it's not being naive that creates the overwhelm. For me, it was all the other patients I had taken care of in the past with the same diagnosis as my daughter those patients was where my brain went to. And I thought about all the what ifs mm -hmm. of um, that were gonna happen as a result of her diagnosis. So I tell folks, it, it wasn't easier to be a doctor and be a mom of a kid with health challenges. It wasn't harder, it wasn't harder either, it was just different yeah. because the, my brain, the thoughts my brain mm -hmm. generated were different than somebody who didn't have medical knowledge. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean it's right or wrong, it's just different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. So at this point, is your focus type one diabetes or is it anyone with chronic, chronic health conditions? Yeah, so uh, both I find that more moms of type 1 diabetic kids find me mm -hmm. just because that's the diagnosis that yeah. my daughter had. Mm -hmm. Through my medical practice, I've been involved with a lot of different chronic illnesses, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, anywhere from asthma all the way through more complicated diseases mm -hmm. like different immunodeficiencies or genetic diseases, et cetera. Sure. So um, the, I help both any of mm -hmm. those um, families. Cool, that's what I thought, but I know that you have. Yeah. Um, and is, this a, is this a group or is this just what's in your website? It's um, the type one diabetic warriors or is that just how you describe them? Yeah, that's how. Sorry, uh, phone's ringing. Oh, no. That's <laughs> Probably won't answer so, that one. <laughs> the, um, so T1D warriors are typically a um, common way to refer to a type 1 diabetic child. I love it. So good. So you have um, what I believe is a guide that you've put together. Is this your freebie? Are you giving away so, little hacks? Uh, the, the parenting hacks uh -huh. is the, um, a freebie. Okay. I also um, have on Amazon a book that I published yeah. um, that is called Reclaiming Life, mm -hmm. a guide for parents of chronically ill children. And I, I have to tell you, uh, this goes back to what we were talking about with journaling, that you know that this book started as a project to historically document stories that happened to my daughter because my kids were always asking 
can you tell us the time when Kylie did this or tell us the time when you diagnosed diabetes? Well, the as I was writing, realized that our stories can help other families yep. to make life a little bit easier. And so the book kind of morphed and became stories of my daughter, but also stories of patients that I took care of. Well, when I wrote the last sentence of the book, I closed my laptop and just started crying mm. because I realized by describing all of these experiences and reliving them in detail for the reader that um, I did a lot of my own emotional healing mm -hmm. through the process mm -hmm. and needed that book to be written yeah. and out there in the world, not just for others, mm -hmm. but for myself. And now really believe in the power of journaling because I've seen the impact of it in my own life. So fascinating. You know, last week we had on a woman who who coaches people through writing their books that tend to be therapeutic writings, yes. right? And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's super cool and so cool that they're so close together. Um, but she's also, which I find fascinating, she will read somebody's work and says, she'll tell them you're not ready for this yet. You know, yes. you've got to you've got to yes. do the healing in whatever form or fashion before you can really make the book what it is supposed to be, right? So right. that's I love that. I think that's amazing. Um, well, and it's also it's super interesting because I was not expecting that because I thought, oh, I'm good. Like I had by the point in time that I wrote the book, like I had done a lot of work on myself mm -hmm. and thought, you know, I'm healed, yeah. but. The, um, it's the realization that sometimes we pack down our emotions and put them away into this like box that we think is never gonna get opened. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, lo and behold, it could get opened in ways and times when we don't expect it. Yeah. But really processing emotions allows us not to put those emotions, th those times mm -hmm. in that box, that it allows it to be really part of us and really healed as part of it. Yeah, yeah. Quick question for you, more out of curiosity, because I know that you diagnosed your daughter. Um, when y'all when, when took her into the emergency department, um, was it at that point that she was diagnosed? What? How, what was the, how did it happen? How did it, what was the, what were the events? Story behind, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, um, she at the time was 12 and was attending a school for the arts. She was very big into ballet dancing. And um, the texted me from school and said, mom, something's wrong with me. I have peed 12 times at school today. Bring home whatever you need to fix me. And I um, thought, well, she must have a urinary tract infection mm -hmm. because we've already done the cancer thing. There's no way she could have two bad things that happened to her. So went to her school to diagnose her urinary tract infection um, so that we didn't have to go all the way home because our school was closer to the hospital. When I went to her school, I brought a urine cup that I had taken from the Pete's clinic along with a urine dipstick. And she met me at the front and went into the little bathroom and peed in the cup and called me in afterwards. And in that school bathroom, I dipped her urine mm -hmm. and immediately the glucose in her urine uh. went super dark. And there's only one thing that does uh, that right, and that's yeah. type one diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so in this tiny bathroom, like I start to cry and um, she's looking at me like, what's the matter? And I said, well, you have diabetes. And now she's crying and she doesn't even know like, 
she has no idea what that sure, means yeah. or, or why I'm crying. And she says, well, am I going to die? And I said, no, sweetheart, you're not going to die. And she's like, well, why are you crying? And I said, because I don't want you to have diabetes. And that kind of started the whole thing. And, um, you know, when we drove to the emergency room in the car ride there, she said, mom, I want to tell you two things. And I said, okay, what are those two things? And she said, well, when we go to the emergency room, if I want them to tell you what they're going to tell me, and I want you then to tell me what they said. And I said, okay, but sweetie, there's not going to be any surprises. Like we're going to go there and they're going to say, you have type one diabetes. I said, if they tell you anything else, that means your mom is a moron. And I really don't think your mom's a moron. So (laughs) there aren't going to be any surprises, but what is the second thing that you want to make sure? And she said, well, I don't want anyone rushing around in the emergency room. And I said, well, rushing around, like what, what does that have to do with anything? And she said, mom, every time I watch a TV show and they rush around, the person dies. So if they rush, I'm gonna think that I'm dying. And I said, sweetie, you're not dying, that it'll, it'll be fine. Um, But, you know, that conversation stuck with me so strongly and made me a better physician. And the reason I say that is it gave me incredible perspective on what goes on in the mind of someone who's young or someone who's naive or someone who's scared. And understanding perspective sometimes is so helpful in everything that we do. I'm so glad I asked you to tell that story. (laughs) 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 So with that, um, I would love to hear any of your client slash patient stories that that you want to share, you know, your successes or, you know, whatever you've learned. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'll tell you um, one, because I think it's super important, um, especially because we were talking about advocating. And, you know, one of the things that I often teach is not just about advocacy, but is about organization, because getting organized in our physical space, organized in our minds is so critical to achieving things that we want out of life or about or out of healthcare or or whatever our goal is. Mm-hmm. I had a patient who had um, a, a diagnosis and I couldn't figure out what that diagnosis was. Mm -hmm. She was developmentally delayed, um, had seizures, Mm -hmm. had um, some uh, features that it um, made her jaw smaller and more Mm -hmm. difficulty breathing. And um, I knew it was all related to something but I couldn't figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. And um, the mom and I worked with um, NIH to get an appointment for the child at NIH so that they could see if there was some disease that was being studied that was newer that she, she would fit into. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, she had seen lots and lots of different specialists. So the mom comes in with a medical record because the mom kept copies of all of these reports Mm -hmm. and it was huge and super disorganized. So the mom and I sat in my office and organized all of these, I, I mean, we're talking 
hundreds and hundreds of pages of medical records into binders of Mm -hmm. neurology, orthopedics, infectious disease, Mm -hmm. etc. And um, the um, child went to NIH and the mom, like super organized, had all of these binders. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, you know, that was, oh goodness, over 10 years ago and the mom just texted me um, and gave me another picture of those binders and said, what a blessing they have been in her life that throughout her child's medical journey and they ended up finding what genetic reason that she had Mm -hmm. um, for all of her medical Mm -hmm. problems. But she, she says those binders have just been huge on trying to advocate for her kid because the um, being organized in all of the medical stuff mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that I want to highlight too is in caring for her, um, I was frustrated as a doctor on not being able to tell the mom the specific diagnosis. Mm -hmm. The mom too was frustrated on not having a specific diagnosis. But I tell you, the the best part about a physician-patient relationship is trust Mm -hmm. and mutual respect and honesty. And um, I was able to tell her, look, I don't know exactly what's wrong with your daughter, but these are the reasons why I want you to bring her back to me. And if this happens, you need to let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, sometimes in medicine, we don't know the answer right away. Mm-hmm. It takes time yeah. to evolve and science to kind of catch up to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure that that's part of the advocacy conversation mm-hmm. with your healthcare provider on, okay, you don't know what's wrong, but tell me when to come back or what I should pay attention to. Because all of that data helps down the line with finding yeah. out what's wrong. It's, yeah, it's so fascinating. I've had multiple clients who've had a significant medical history and that, and, and I'm amazed when they bring me their binders and their binders have their tabs and all of these, I'm like, this is awesome stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Um, but it's, it's true. Obviously I'm not in medicine, but I do help people to, to, to learn and to understand. And I can't and I don't diagnose, but I can dig and look for, you know, dysfunction and things that can be repaired. So sometimes we don't have answers, but we can address things and we can talk through things and we can give guidance. And even if we still need to refer to someone else, right? Or whatever that, whatever the case may be for that certain situation, you still, ha- it's, I mean, I always see myself as, as their partner in their, in their health journey, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, I'm here to guide you the best that I can, the best that I know how, and then if we need to build your team, that's what we do, but I'm gonna help you through the part that I know I can help you with, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, it's having, it's, it's having your partner, having your team. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know, in the example that I gave about like this mom having all of these documents, well, it goes back to what we were talking about with being overwhelmed. Like that disorganization of all of that stuff. Like she looked at it and didn't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Was like incredibly yeah. overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. But it's um, through that process it was teaching her about overwhelm and that you know sometimes it looks like a daunting task and it goes back to that all or nothing thought mm-hmm. right yeah. is that i need it all organized right now or else i'm not going to do it any of it mm-hmm. and um 
but it's the realization, you know what, I'm overwhelmed, but I just need to take one step forward and doing a little bit of organization. Mm -hmm. And then you start creating momentum for that. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, mind work that went into her mm -hmm. success for her child. Yeah, that's amazing. So talk to me a little bit about your the different programs that you have. I know you've got private, you've got groups, you've got workshops. Tell me, let's talk about those. Yeah, so I my favorite is working one-on-one -on -one with, um, with people because it really allows them the opportunity to um, say, you know what, I'm really struggling because I want to do something different in my career, but I'm terrified mm -hmm. to ask for help with my kid or I think something's gonna go wrong with my kid, so I've ignored the other siblings, but I want to build a better relationship with my other children or my spouse. And so it's um, so fun to be able to work through um, one specific problem that and realize that and have the individual realize that they have the power mm -hmm. to be able to find a solution. Yes. It's just having somebody guide them through those curiosity, mm -hmm. deep questions so that they can do the work and find the solution. Mm -hmm. So it, um, in group coaching, we work through um, kind of three different peers on advocacy, um, we work on organization, and we work on relationships and building a good support system. But, you know, all of this through um, coaching, uh, coaching is the opportunity to have somebody who is asking hard questions to you and is telling you things, but in a different way than a friend or a family mm -hmm. member. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes a friend or a family member is not gonna tell you the truth because they don't want to upset you, right. or they don't want to ask you questions because they don't want to upset you. Mm -hmm. A coach's job is a little bit different, yep. and it's to kind of hold a mirror up to the individual um, to help them and guide them without giving them advice or answers because that's not what people need. Mm -hmm. People need to understand that they have the tools to do it for themselves. They just need guidance on how to make that happen. I love that. Um, I, I, I so wholeheartedly agree um, because I think we can we can find ourselves in a position where we feel like we've lost all the power and mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's the part of I call myself a guide like you're a guide anybody yeah. who is a guide through a situation is to show you you have the power you just got to know right. it and you got to know sometimes we don't know how to grab it or how to find it right um, so right. it's it's asking the hard questions. It's looking outside of the box. I know for me, too, um, I have a hard time looking outside of the box of things that I don't know. And I say this a right. lot, but it's so yes. true. Is Somebody might, might say just one thing, and this whole other box just open. I'm like, ah, yeah. beautiful. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So giving people their power back or, or maybe showing them that they never lost it. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's, you know, I have some folks that come and think that I'm going to give them the answers mm -hmm. and I'm going to tell them yeah. exactly what to do to, to solve their problem. And that is not the case because of exactly what you just said, mm -hmm. that what worked for me personally may not work for the individual. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's understanding that there's so much opportunity in the world 
we just need to use our brain as a tool to help us rather than this thing that is hindering us because it thinks we need to be protected all of the time. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, we are out of time, believe it or not. Ah. It always goes so fast, doesn't it? <laughs> it? It does. This has been so fun. It has been fun. I'm super grateful that you joined me. I'm grateful for what you're doing. I know that there are a lot of people who, who can and will and have benefited from what you have to offer and what you have to share. Um, so thank you for... I mean, a lot of what you do is being vulner vulnerable right. yourself and with what you've struggled with and have come through and can show others that they can get through it as well. So good for you and thank you. No, thank you. This has been awesome. And I truly hope somebody, even if it's just one person, yeah. got one thing out of what we talked about today. Mm -hmm. And being vulnerable is absolutely a powerful thing um, that can continue to teach our children how to be outstanding individuals. Yes. Agreed. So agreed. Um, people need to know where to find you. How can they find you? Yeah, so my website is MaureenMichelleMD.com, and Michelle is spelt with one L, oh, yeah. just to confuse people. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love that. I love it. So that's you are on the social media, all the places, yeah? Yep. So cool. on all the places, I'm uh, Maureen Michelle MD. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Good branding. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are here every Thursday live on KUHSDenver.com. And uh, of course, you can find me. I'm Taste Life Nutrition in all of the places. So the website the social media, um, you can go to my website, the website, you can always find the podcasts, the shows, the YouTube, find everything there as well. Um, but you can find a free assessment on my website that you can fill out if you have uh, whatever that you know, you're struggling with, I'm gonna reach out to you, we're gonna chat about it. If I can help you, great. If I know somebody amazing who can help you, that's great too. So that's that's my goal is to be a resource and, and you know, to the best of my ability. So. Um, then, of course, we have Soulful Conception. Uh, Soulful Conception is preparing for pregnancy, getting ready prior to getting pregnant, um, optimizing your health, reducing symptoms, because your health today can impact generations of kiddos ahead, generations of family members ahead. Um, and so it's really important just to take a little bit of time to prepare. So that's what I love. And then all of the other things so that I love to nerd out about. But anyway, feel free to reach out. Um, thank you again, uh, Dr. Maureen. So grateful that you joined us. Thank uh, you. If you want to stay with me just one second while I sure. shut everything off. And thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.